Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started alison zimmerman is the ceo of lead network europe in the interview she reflects on her transformative journey leaving the finance industry due to an appointment moment witnessing a young colleague tasked with buying toilet paper and reflecting on her fear of public speaking she emphasized the importance of creating a safe space for growth admitting that she does not have all the answers through practices like meditation and setting morning priorities she navigates the challenges of leadership acknowledging the power of imperfection and self awareness hi alison welcome to the choosing leadership podcast hi subit thank you for having me it's a pleasure to have you here Why don't you start by sharing a little bit of who you are and what do you do? Thank you. Um, my name is Allison Zimmerman. I'm the CEO of the Lead Network, and the Lead Network is a network that focuses on advancing women in the consumer goods and retail industry through education, through leadership and mm-hmm. development. Yeah. And before we get into that, can you share a bit of your backstory? How do you get into doing what you're doing today? Uh, it's interesting. Maybe for me, it's interesting because I did not study uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I had a completely different background. So why I do what I do actually came from meeting someone in a network. I was in the financial industry, and I was hired by a, a brokerage firm. I was one of two women hired by an all-male brokerage firm. And long story short, I left after one week. It was just not the best environment. And I remember saying to a woman, I want to do something. I want to do good in the world. And she thought I was an idealist, but she said, but I think you would be really good in this, working with this NGO. And so uh-huh. previously what brought me to lead was I did, I was eventually not at first I worked for Catalyst, a research uh, organization that focused on gender equality. And in the end, I ended up overseeing the EMEA operations for that organization. Uh-huh. 
another NGO. Yeah. So NGO, NGO. <laughs> yeah. And and before that, as you said, you were part of the, the financial industry. Yeah. I have not had a linear path. I've worked mm. in different industries. I've worked in airline. I've worked in education. I've worked in finance. I used to work for a mutual fund company prior to that. And I had my license, a broker's license to do the job I did. Yeah. I was an investigator of sorts that looked through SEC complaints. So I've had many lives. <laughs> yes. So that's a big shift, right? So when you said that you left in one week and you decided to do something very different, what happened, right? What did you realize about yourself or that led to that big shift? I think for me, it was a fundamental shift in my whole life. And not to make it so dramatic, but it was dramatic. It was basically saying I, I desperately wanted to work. It wasn't that I didn't want to work. And, but I, I had this moment where I had a time where I hadn't worked for 70 years. Hmm. And I went back to go into the finance industry. And um, what happened to me, and I remember having this moment my friend, who was a person, now she's my friend, but somebody I met in this network situation, she said, I she describes it as my Jerry Maguire moment. If you know the movie Jerry Maguire, where you go, okay, I don't want this anymore. I want to focus here. And it was really discovering what I was passionate about and had a deep desire to have a positive impact in the world. And particularly for women, that has always been the vein and then when I experienced it, I, I didn't personally experience why I walked after one month, one week. What I experienced was watching the other woman and she was younger than me. She was so talented. And there was a moment where they brought in toilet paper. They asked her to go buy toilet paper and she brought in toilet paper. And to me, it was so humiliating and demeaning. And I thought, mm. you're sending this young woman out to buy your toilet paper at this brokerage firm. Ironically, which is very interesting, I think is interesting, and you can work for an employer and you can be their consumer at the same time, and, or later, maybe you buy their products or you don't. Yeah. And they reached out to me many years later, and it was a woman who was in a brokerage role, and she said, really like you to invest in our funds. And I said, Okay, can I tell you a story? And I mm -hmm. shared that I worked at that firm uh, for a week. And I said, but clearly it has changed because you are here. And she said, Allison, I think we should go out for a glass of wine. And so for me, it had a massive change. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing about that moment. And also, I would like to commend you or applaud you on that courage because a lot of people somewhere know that this is not what I want to do or my heart is somewhere else. But to take action on that is a totally different thing, right? And that's courage. That's leadership. Thank you for displaying that. And I'm sure a lot of lives have been impacted. That. Um, but having said that, no journey of uh, such a drastic shift is easy or comfortable, at least in the beginning. So can you share a bit more of how has that journey panned out? What were some of those difficult moments or learning moments for you? Yeah. If we stay with the courage, I think I lacked so much courage early on. That was a moment to your point. I think I was fearful of so much mm -hmm. and I had no idea how I was fearful of different things. 
And so for me, you can really develop yourself in a role and use work, whatever you do, you can use as a way to tackle some fears. And I do, if you, going back to courage, my journey, there is something I do talk about, but I've talked about it before publicly, but I had a massive fear of public speaking. And so I never, ever saw myself in a leadership role. I had this idea, like a leader is somebody who looks a certain way, walks a certain way, like they walk in the mm. room and they know who they are. And I had such a fear of public speaking. I had frozen on a stage in London at a bank. And I said, good morning, welcome. And everything left my head. And I had to do the walk of shame off the stage. And that kicked off two and a half years of, I will say it was intense, development, healing, coaching, tackling the fears. And then I had an experience years later where I was in Sweden speaking to a group of engineer students. And I had this moment and I can, it was surreal where all the fear left my body speaking. Mm. It completely left my body. So I remember having this conversation in my head, who is speaking? That's not me. And it, it sounds more woo than it was, but it was just a moment where the fear left. And so after that, I would speak on TV or speak on large stages, sometimes audience of a lot of people. And people asked me, how did you get over that? And I said, first, I had to find what made me safe as an individual. And it's always my advice. But I also had to not listen to everybody's advice. <laughs> yeah. Every, people were like Toastmasters. I was way beyond Toastmasters. Like I needed a somatic fear coach or a somatic coach. I needed a private group. I could not even say my name on an all staff call. And I wasn't in a leadership role. So I had to really, I had a leader that really taught me something about overcoming that fear mm -hmm. and really seeing my potential, which I thought, I thought I, that's delusional. And I don't say that word flippantly. I really was like, no, she can't be right in mm. thinking that. And, but what happened is it was really about going through it. And I think the, the biggest aha when people have asked, what did you learn from it? Is that fear is an illusion. Now, if you had told me that at the time when my throat would close, literally physically close, yeah. and I could barely squeak the words out, I would have said, there's no illusion here. Mm. But when I got to the other side of it, I saw the illusion of the fear. Absolutely. Yeah. So I do some somatic work uh, with my oh, uh, clients as well. So that's very refreshing for me to hear but i'm oh. sure for a lot of the audience it's still very new and you said the first thing was to feel safe yeah. so can you share how do you do that and what other somatic practices do you practice now if you have to do something which requires courage which requires overcoming fear or anxiety for that matter i'm not a somatic coach you are more about the practices i will tell you what my coach taught me and it wasn't a teaching it was just a, one of my first sessions i worked with many different types of coaches what i learned from him is was really on safety and he had me stand on a stage and he pretend stage 
And mm -hmm. after I, I froze, my manager was like, I'm really worried about you. This feels like post-traumatic stress. And it was. And he explained to me that at the point of impact, when somebody has an accident or something, that the emotion gets locked in their body, which this was very new to me in all honesty. But he had me stand on a pretend stage and said, okay, tell me how you feel. What would, you know, and I explained. And he said, he said, what would make you feel safe? And just asking me that question. Hmm. And I said, a table and a chair. <laughs> and I say that openly. So for the first couple of years, now I wasn't leading. I was a colleague going through development and everything. But the first couple of years, I had to, I had a table and a chair and I needed that. I also had water. That was another thing that made me feel safe. So it wasn't an exercise per se, but if you ask me what I do, I also, before any time, even now, before I get on the stage, I will snap my fingers by my side just to remind me to ground hmm. because when I'm ungrounded, I'm not my best. When I'm grounded, I, I'm much better at what I can do. And, um, but coming back to the somatic coach, when he asked me, what makes me, you feel safe, a table and a chair, and I ended up shaping any engagement around a table and chair, I would say, oh, you don't need me presenting. I can, let's sit at a round table. Uh -huh. The funny thing was that's what created deeper discussions was not presenting and talking to people, yeah. but inviting them to a conversation. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And sometimes it can be so simple, but also so meaningful, right? Because normally we associate a leader as standing on a stage, uh, but I think there is also a different uh, way of leading, which could be different for everybody, which is like on a round table and inviting people and creating that bond of togetherness rather than somebody higher up on a stage. So thank you for sharing that. And also I think another part is like uh, the courage or the openness to ask for what you need, right? Because many times that fear doesn't allow us to ask for what we know that we need or we want, right? So Absolutely. that ask itself is a huge uh, leadership act, which contributes not just to your own learning. And I think just to add a little bit more on what you said, like how emotions get locked up in our bodies. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's not just about speaking on stage or fear. But it's also about some leaders find it really hard to listen. It's also about some people really find it hard to deal with conflict. Like their bodies mm. revolt in conflict or their bodies do not want to listen or even stopping. A lot of leaders find it very difficult to be in silence or any kind of like gap. Uh, and they almost get an urge to intervene or to speak. And if we go back, it's always going back to something which is in our bodies. And, and that's so much which is missing from the world today, like in terms of knowledge by education. So thank you for sharing that, right? So coming back to you from that toilet paper story, right? What is it that you envision is the role of women in the workplace or in the society? And what is the vision that you are working towards? I, the vision is really, and when we think about women, it's progress for women, it's progress for everyone. It's like the tide that lifts all ships. And so it is not about only women. And sometimes people are surprised, especially as I've almost worked two decades on gender equality. And I, I always say that gender is not a good predictor of what makes a leader. It's not if you're a man or a woman, there are the skills that make you a leader. 
But unfortunately, when you look across the globe, there's a preponderance. There are mainly men at the top of most organizations, even women-led organizations, you will see this, or women, I would say organizations that have a lot of women in it. Um, We will always see when we think leader, we will jump to stereotypes. We'll jump to deep bias that I believe, I truly believe many of us are not conscious of. And, and some of it we're conscious of, and we may believe it's a truth, but it's not. So the vision is really to reach gender parity at all levels, at 50-50. And where, you know, I'm, when I say 50-50, who's binary, whose gender is binary when I say 50-50, but we want to be inclusive of all genders, um, people identify very differently. And it's really about reaching that gender parity. According to the World Economic Forum, it will take 131 years as of the last statistics that we will have gender parity. And it is slowing down. So at LEAD, we have a gender scorecard where we track the consumer goods and retail to see how we're advancing. And in the beginning in 2017, when we did this, there were 25% of women in leadership roles in the consumer goods and retail of those we tested. And then in 2019, 20, now this year, 2023, we do it biannually. It has gone up to 37%. But from, I believe, 2021 until now, and even 2019, it has slowed. So we see the slowing down. Definitely COVID had an impact. And while we see positive change moving forward, it's not going at a fast enough clip. We really need everybody at the table to really drive this and see that not only as a business imperative, but we focus, we have a sharp focus on Europe, consumer goods, and advancing women. Mm. And we see the consumer goods and retail women are making from 75 to 93% the consumer buying decisions. Yet, to have 37% women leading in this industry, it, yeah. it has to be. It, it's just a business imperative. It, any, it's such an opportunity for most companies, definitely in this mm. industry. Yeah, yeah. And you're doing this through an NGO, right? So you have mm-hmm. your own team, but you also yes. have a huge network and a huge, like a group yeah. of volunteers who are supporting you. So from your own leadership, what is the biggest uh, challenge or, or struggle that you're facing right now? It was interesting when you were talking about listening and, and leadership and the importance of being uh, silent and, and not jumping. I think one of the biggest struggles is that you're not going to know everything as a leader. And I think getting comfortable with being uncomfortable of what you don't know is the first step, I think. So when I look at where we are now, a lot of things I'm doing, I'm 10 months in that lead in this role. And what I'm doing now is just unlearning some things because it's a new role. Before I was executive director, now CEO. And it's also listening. I'll give an example. A week ago, there was this challenge that came up And I remember one of my colleagues saying, hey, pay attention here, pay attention. And I was like, I don't get it. I don't get, of course, yes, we're going to do this. 
And to the point about listening, I think it's also for leaders. You have to admit it when you get it wrong. You have to admit it when you don't have the answer. And I remember this moment where I went, okay, I'm missing something. And I went back and I said, what am I missing? And it was like, you're missing this piece. I went, oh my goodness. And I was so grateful for this colleague. But I had to also hit the pause button and really reflect. And I didn't get it right. Uh I didn't. And they use that as an example that we have to get we have to get comfortable with knowing I don't know. And then what am I missing? The other aspect I think is really important. This is just in general is. Is not creating a story of what you think it is. So Mm -hmm. going back to leadership of the future, especially with next gen, it's okay. How are we embracing curiosity Mm -hmm. to, to maybe find out what we don't know? And if you're really honest, a lot of people don't know, (laughs) but they're afraid if they don't have the answer, they might look incompetent or they might be under question. It's quite the opposite. It's such a strength, I think, to say, what don't I know? In the example, though, that I shared, and this is not tooting my horn, this, I had to go back a second time. I still mm. didn't fully grasp it. And so I went again. I said, okay, I'm missing one more element. And I shared that because it's, you don't always get it right. And awareness doesn't happen when we're perfect. And I, I think leadership, a challenge that many leaders have is unlearning, especially when you go from a manager into this leader role. Yeah. What's your role now? It's mm. not to be tactical, not go in the weeds. It might be at an NGO. Sometimes we have to. Yeah. But also, how are you stepping back? How are you setting the tone and how are you creating a safe space mm. for everybody that they can say to you, hey, you're not seeing this. And so, yeah, yes. I'm a work in progress. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, it's, it's so easy to become the leader who knows it all, putting on that mask. Because uh, it feels safe, but in the end, you are missing out on everything. So thank you for sharing that. And as you said, you're 10 months into a new role. And any new role demands us to grow, demands us to become a different version of ourselves. If you look at the future, if you look at your vision, what kind of leadership or what kind of a leader do you think that you need to be or become to deliver on those on, the, on that vision or that future? which a lot of people are probably like counting on you for. Yeah. I think it's about making the complex simple, making it clear that the vision is clear. It's about, I, I see leadership maybe a bit different in some ways. I, I really see it as leading from the middle. And how do you lead from the middle to inspire and empower others to do their role to their best ability? And sometimes being a good leader means you have to follow. And if you always want to be in there and always, it, 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 it can really halt empowerment. And so for me, sometimes is really focusing on trust, focusing on creating a clarity that people know where are we going. It's also about I had an aha last night. I was speaking early, last late, last late afternoon yesterday, speaking with some colleagues. I had another aha where I realized I need to communicate even more than I even think I need to communicate. And this might be 
for many leaders, they know this. But for me, if you ask what's my journey, is really realizing how much communication is important, not only to the team, but all of the network. We have 20,000 members. We have 68 companies we partner with. We have 410 volunteers. How are we keeping engaged? How are you communicating without over-communicating? How are you creating something, taking something very complex with a lot of stakeholders and making it very simple what the vision is? And then finally, how are you walking the talk? So if you're saying this matters, how are you leading by example? And I'm saying, how am I mm-hmm. leading? When, and also, when am I getting it wrong? When Where do I need to develop and grow? And how can we create that psychologically safe place that people can come and say, you know what? You got that Mm. wrong. And or you're missing something or a psychologically safe place that we can give each other feedback. Mm. It's not easy. It can be really uncomfortable, but we're all going towards the same goal. And, And that's what's so key, I think. When you yeah. bring so many people together, is how can we have that red thread? Of, Here's mm-hmm. where we're going, and taking things one by one when you need to, but not making, not convoluting the message. Absolutely, thank you for sharing that, and especially the part about simplification, right? Because it is so easy for things to get complicated, and a key part of uh, a leader's responsibility. I think it's too easy to talk about uh, impact or growth as a leader, but it's very difficult to see that to grow or to multiply something first, we have to simplify. We cannot grow or expand a complex system or a very complicated system, Uh, especially if we are talking about uh, like uh, working with a small team, using their abilities to the best. The more we can simplify, the more they can actually multiply. And yeah. on their impact. And another key theme which I'm listening to is that I'm I'm touching close to 200 episodes on the podcast. Nice. But every time I interview a woman leader, I think there's a very different energy to, mm. to the podcast. We talk about different things and the interview automatically goes into a different direction. And I think we, we, there is gold there. I think uh, for any listener, if they can listen to maybe three episodes of uh, like male uh, leaders and female leaders, you can clearly see the difference. Uh, and uh-huh. not difference as in good or bad, but difference as in different perspectives. And both sides, both genders can actually learn so much from those perspectives. I so agree. thank you for sharing that. And as you were sharing about this, I think uh, what I'm sensing is you have a, a sense of awareness or you have a sense of looking back uh, at your day, at your life, and then reflecting and then evaluating and then like uh, taking the next step. So can you share how do you create that? How do you create breathing space for rest, for reflection in a world which can otherwise be so easily overwhelming or too busy? How do you do that? Uh, First of all, thank you and congratulations on your 200, almost 200 episodes. How do I find that breathing space? And I don't always find it. I joked once that I said, I'm a yoga poser this year because I love yoga. Um, but when you start something new, a lot of your goals, a lot of that balance can go out the window because you have so many competing agendas. And especially in a time of transformations, one thing I've done, one very practical thing is I'm accepting that. I didn't always, I wasn't always able to keep the same balance as before. The second thing is 
now where I feel more like in this role and solid is really adding back in what gives me that breathing space. Mm. I am not a good leader if I do not have that space. I'm like anybody who's overburdened or feels stressed is not going to be their best selves. And I used to do an hour and a half of yoga every day. Like I used, I'm, that's what I mean by yoga poser. I'm not there at the moment. I used to do that. But one thing that I've done over the last almost 14 years, not quite 13 and a half, has been a meditating, um, meditating uh, twice a day the first five years and then once a day after that. And now it's probably three times a week at the moment. But up to the, this year, it was definitely once a day. And, and so it's going back to that and mm. making that the priority. So I think it's this constant negotiation with yourself, no judgment, but just saying, you know what? Okay, now I feel I'm not my best because I don't have that space. And for everybody, it looks different. And for me, it is really the morning if I set the tone. Another thing I never do, and this has been always, I usually never start before 8.30 in the morning. Sometimes 9 a.m. I will never start the day before then with any meetings or anything. Uh, occasions arise or you know, meet some meetings, but it's very rare for me. In the last 17 years that I will take a call before 9 a.m. That's luxury, I know, but it's something that I hold always to myself to give myself that morning time to set the tone for the day. And sometimes it might be yeah. just simply sleeping in, but at least it's like giving myself that time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, right? Prioritizing yourself and uh, those simple practices like 10 minutes of, of like meditation or some yoga has a huge impact in how much we can listen, how much we can grasp, how much we can be present during the day. So it might look like taking time away, but eventually what I've realized is that it adds so much of time and energy and focus to our like the rest of the day communication and what we do as leaders and you very rightly said leadership is all about leading by example if you talk about something but you don't follow that up the next moment you lose all trust you lose all all credibility and any kind of deliberate practice like you shared actually allows you to do that and to, to prioritize yourself i think just sleeping in sometimes is what your body needs it's, uh, and i think it's that it's about it, it is not about being perfect. It is about finding out what works for you. And so for some people, it might be a morning walk with the dog. That might be how they set the day. Some people might be spending time with their kids in the morning, taking care of taking that time. But I think it's about also having curiosity to know that everybody has their, they know what gives them balance and really being aware of that. And for me, the best days I've had have always been when mm. I've had that basis. And it feels like everything is water off a duck's bay back. Now, for other people, it might be the end of the day. It might be the middle of the day. So it's not for me to say, but I think it is important to say, to find out what it get, what gives you that moment. It could be watching a funny YouTube video, honestly. It could be watching cat videos, I joke. But it could be something that gives you a break, whatever that is that you can just get aware. Absolutely. That might be more yeah. of a distraction, but who knows? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So 
as we also wrap this up, what would be the best way for anybody who's listening and who gets curious about what you're doing or wants to contribute in your efforts? What would be the best way for them to reach out to you? They can reach out to me on LinkedIn if they're interested in anything about LEAD, but they can go to our website, which is at LEAD, it's LEAD Network. And so it's LEAD, we're changing our domain, but if you just Google LEAD Network Europe, you will see it. Otherwise it's LED-EU.net and you can find it that way. Um, And yeah, reach out if you're interested. It's something that we're very passionate about. We hope one day we don't even need a network that we can work ourselves out of the network that we advance. Women have parity and the work is done. And then we focus on something else. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Zimmerman. Thank you. Thank you, you, Alison. Thank you so uh, much. Everything that you shared for giving us a glimpse into your story. And as we end, I want to wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead for you. I wish you the same. Thank you so much, Sumit. Thank you. It was a pleasure. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. This is what I do most naturally, to lovingly and gently provoke you, to help you see your own light, to help you see what you are already capable of. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.